Welcome to A Magical Life, Health, Wealth and Weight Loss. I'm your host, Magic Barclay, Lead Practitioner at Holistic Natural Health Australia and number one best-selling author. In this podcast, I aim to give you practical tips on how to accelerate and sustain your health, increase your financial, spiritual and emotional wealth and to look at something that haunts many of us needlessly, weight loss. In some episodes, I'll have guests available to give you even more tips, but in others, the floor is yours. Drop us a line at A Magical Life Podcast on Facebook and let me know what you would like to know more about. Now, sit back and enjoy, because it is time for you to create and truly discover a magical life. Welcome back to A Magical Life. I'm your host, Magic Barclay. And today, Cheryl and Jeanette joins us. Cheryl is a best-selling author, international speaker, thought leader, and the CEO of Anjanette Wellness Academy. Her 30-year business background intersects with her vast mindfulness training that includes integrative hypnotherapy, NLP, and clinical and advanced certifications in cognitive behavioral neuroscience and stress, anxiety, and self-regulation. She works with individuals, small groups, and organizations to eliminate imposter syndrome and banish burnout. Welcome, Cheryl. Thank you. Good to be here. Great to have you here. And something I didn't mention, you have a new book. What is it called? I do. It's called The Imposter Lies Within, Silence Your Inner Critic, Team Your Fear, Unleash Your Badassery. <laughs> wow. I love that. Now, listen, I'm going to get straight into my standard three questions. Everyone gives me such different answers, and I'm really excited about yours. So the first one is, what can your expertise do to accelerate health, not just physical, but also emotional and spiritual health? So really to accelerate health, whether it's physical or emotional, I think that it's important to start with a vision of what that looks like for you and the belief that you can do it. See yourself feeling good, feeling happy, feeling balanced. See yourself looking the way you want to look. See yourself with the energy that you want to have. So that's the first place. That's what really will accelerate it. Act as if you're already there. And then you can do the things to get there. The actual things you do will depend on what you're trying to accomplish. But you know the how-to is, is usually there as long as you have the right questions. As long as you have the right questions. And you can see yourself. You envision yourself with that belief. And we'll talk more about imposter syndrome in depth in a moment. But your second question is around wealth. So many people think wealth is just financial, but it can be emotional and personal wealth as well. What are your top three tips to creating wealth? Know what that means to you. I mean, if you want to create wealth, what does that mean for you? Just as you said, magic, is is it wealth in terms of love? Do you want that abundance? To me, wealth is abundance, right? Abundance of love or abundance of joy, abundance of peace of mind. I think the most important thing to do is start with what 
that means for you. And, you know, I think of wealth as abundance. So is it abundance of love? Is it abundance of joy? Is it an abundance of peace of mind? It can be money. You know, it could be that you want to have enough so that if you need to do something, if you need to care for somebody, if you want to take a trip, it's there. You know, you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to think about it. So, you know, that's that the most important thing is know what wealth is for you, what the abundance piece looks like for you. So that's the first thing, knowing what wealth means for you. I guess another couple of tips from you on how we can achieve that. Well, the way to achieve anything like knowing for yourself is to ask enough questions where you're uncovering and discovering. You know, I never start with one question. It's almost like at least a series of three questions. What is your belief about that? What does that mean to you? Oh, really? And what does that mean? So if you say you want an abundance of love, an abundance of love in what area? Is it your relationship? Is it with your children? Is it family? What, what does that mean in abundance of love? How does it make you feel? What happens in your mind, in your heart, in your body? What changes in your life for you? I want to know what the full picture is. Not I want to know. I want you to know because you're the one that's on this journey. You know what you want, what you're seeking is different than what I would be seeking. So as you're looking at this and what does that mean to you? Ask more questions, dig deep, uncover, discover, be like Sherlock Holmes, you know, because then you're going to get to the heart of it. And I'll bet you that at the heart of it, there is a subconscious belief. There is a belief that your conscious mind in that first question did not see. You know, it could be a belief that you don't deserve it or you're not worthy. It could be a belief that you can't get it because you've never had it. You know, or people like you don't get that kind of wealth or that kind of love. So at the core of that, there is a belief. And we want to get to that belief because beliefs are changing. Fantastic. And our final question is around weight loss. So many people battle with their weight. Have you ever battled your weight? If so, how did you win the battle, and what can you offer the listeners who might be on this journey? Yes, I have. You know, I came from a family, and let's talk about physical weight because I think there's emotional weight, and there's both, and sometimes they're intertwined. So let's talk about the physical weight. Both of my parents were obese growing up. My mother was extraordinarily obese. So she wore the big tent dresses. My father was just a husky guy. So I had to be really, really like, you know, I was just kind of marinated in that. I was always very thin. I didn't eat much. I didn't really care that much about food, but my subconscious mind was seeing certain behaviors, if that makes sense. So that totally makes sense. How did you, I guess, distinguish the the weight that your mother had as not being part of your life. I think many of us as as women, you know, we see what our mothers are going through and we just think that's the way our pathway is going to be. You know, for some reason, I'm not, it wasn't a conscious thing, but subconsciously I do realize this now as an adult that 
I never felt like I was part of that. I felt like I was, I always felt I was so different from my family. And so I was just very, very quiet. I didn't say anything, but it did come to get me. I mean, there were periods in my life where I, I remember having a trauma in my late teens and in my first year of college. And I gained, you know, like we say gain, lose. I hate to use those words with weight, but, you know, I took on 20 pounds, whatever that is in kilograms, uh, depending on where you're listening. And that's a lot. You know, I'm a tall girl, but that's a lot. And then I, I was able to let it go and reset that. But there was some emotional eating and I realized that I witnessed that, you know, that was part of my conditioning. And so now I just have to watch it. I pay attention to unconscious habits, you know, that I realize I picked up. And then as far as the other type of weight, I think weight is often the emotional weight. You know, it's, it's not always, but usually our emotions are part of that. So like I say, everyone's different. But it was that emotional weight. And that's what I work on with people today as a hypnotherapist. I help them to release that emotional weight. And sometimes also the physical weight, you know, the two go together. But releasing the trapped emotions, the heavy emotions that were unexpressed, that had been repressed. Some great stuff there. Now, let's talk imposter syndrome. Many of us have it. I'm aware that I have it. And, you know, it can stop us. It can, I guess, rear up as I'm not good enough, I don't know enough, I haven't worked in this job long enough, I'm not a good mother. Like we we think these things quite often and we see ourselves playing these prophecies out and it's all due to this thing called imposter syndrome. Can you explain to listeners what it is and how it might be creeping into their lives. Yes, absolutely. So first and foremost, let's just define what imposter syndrome is because there's a lot of confusion out there. So imposter syndrome is a psychological pattern where someone feels like they're not good enough in spite of their accomplishments. Now, I want you to give emphasis to the fact that it's a pattern right? Because this is habitual. It's not just our behaviors, but our beliefs, our thoughts, our self-talk become patterned. And also that it's in spite of, in other words, there's a disconnect between our actual accomplishments and how we feel about them, between reality, you might say, and perception. So we internalize this feeling of not good enough, even though there's evidence to the contrary, we are good enough. And that's why it's really strange, right? You know, it's like, okay, wait, it's right there. My conscious mind can see it. I have the degrees. I've done this. I'm, I'm successful. And yet no matter what it is, I feel like I'm going to be found out as not being as good as other people think I am. So there's just that disconnect. Now, one of the things that, and this is just my working with people, one of the things that this is a small thing, but some of these small things are big, right? Is the first thing I'd like to encourage people, if I can, is to, I'll, I'll tell you two things. One is, rather than saying that you have it, um, which kind of tells your subconscious mind that you own it, this is yours, 
I like to say we experience it. I don't own this. I'm, this is part of an experience I'm having, you know, an experience is easier to put in the past. Just like, you know, saying I have a disease, I have asthma, I have cancer, I have whatever that is, depression. I'd rather say I'm experiencing this. Doesn't that sound like it's something that's easier to kind of set outside of me? It's not mine. I'm not going to own it. And the second thing I like to say is, a lot of people will say, I suffer from this or I struggle with this. And I, I would say this about anything. It's not that you don't. It's not that there isn't real struggle there. It doesn't, maybe, maybe it does feel like you're suffering and maybe there is real suffering. But again, our subconscious mind is always listening. So if the goal is to get past this, to put this in the past, it's really helpful. I invite people to, I don't say, I never say you have to do anything or you must do anything, but I always invite people to, to say you ex- you're experiencing this. So you'll always hear me say, I used to experience imposter syndrome or the experience of imposter sy- syndrome as an example, if that makes sense. Yeah, some great distinctions there. Thank you. So what predisposes people to experience imposter syndrome? Is it societal? Is it media? Is it our idea of what success should look like? Like, What is the predisposition there? Yeah. So really what I like to look at that is, is your belief system. And we're not necessarily predisposed, but it can feel that way because it goes so deep. So when we look at overcoming imposter syndrome, at least through my methodology, we do what I call an inside out and an outside in approach. And the inside out is really looking for the root cause, really going in deep and saying, where did these deep-seated beliefs come? These feelings of I'm not good enough, or I'm not worthy, or I'm not deserving, or my, my voice doesn't matter, or I don't matter, right? Who cares? Who would want to hear from me? Why should I raise my hand? I better play small. These are all deep-seated beliefs. And the majority of them came when we were quite young, and then they just got layered on. So what happens is we're very young. And these can come later as well, but let's just start with when we're very young, kind of that, those imprint years, three to seven years old, and we have our experiences, but it's not so much the experience, but the meaning we gave it, the interpretation we had at that age and at that stage. So I'm three years old or I'm five years old and something happens and I think, ooh, I'm not good enough, right? Well, my little mind, and by the way, our minds, regardless of what age, look for evidence to make us right. It's just the way we're wired. So something else happens. And I think, oh, there it is. You see, I'm not good enough. And it layers on and layers on. Add to that, that our minds are wired with a negative bias. So if it's something that is negative, I'm going to latch on to it even more because our minds simply have it, the, that um, primitive part of our mind simply haven't evolved or our, our brains are looking to keep us safe. Our minds are looking to keep us safe. So I'm going to always have that threat alert of what is negative, what could be wrong, what could be a threat. And my mind is going to give more weight to that. So I start to layer this on and layer it on. Oh, something else happens. You see, I'm not good enough. Oh, you see, nobody cares. 
Nobody cares what I have to say, or I shouldn't speak up. Children are meant to be seen, not heard, that sort of thing. Does that make sense? And so we're not necessarily predisposed, but in a way, you know, as I think about it, magic, in some ways you could almost say that we are just because our minds are wired towards the negative. And yet many people come out of childhood and still don't have that disconnect. You know, they may think "Mm, maybe I'm not good enough, but the I am good enough and that confidence is quite strong. So it's not that everyone experiences this. It's just very, very common. Something like now 85% of people experience this. That's some pretty shocking statistics there. I mean, 85% of people are walking around thinking they're not enough. That's actually quite sad. Yeah, it really, it really is. Now, add to that with imposter syndrome, obviously, we have to get on in the world. We have to, you know, go through life, have our career, our families, you know, go out in the world and create these different relationships. And so we learn, we pay attention and we learn what to say, how to be, how to feel our fear and do things anyway, at least some of the time or most of the time, you know, even when we're afraid. And so what happens is we sort of put on our confidence suit and we go out there, but inside we feel like we're a fraud. We feel like we have to hide from the world that we're really not that good, that we're kind of acting. The world doesn't see us that way. It's not that we're actually an imposter and it's not that other people think we're an imposter. It's that we feel like we're the imposter. That's very sobering, that that thought that So many people think they're imposters. Now, what led you to writing the book? Is it just from your practice, from your experience? Why do you think this information is so important to get out there? Well, you know, I worked in the business world for, you know, 30 years and I've been the entrepreneur three times. I've, you know, I've had successful businesses. I've been in the C-suite, you know, and you never get to the C-suite. You don't, become an executive if you haven't had all the positions. So I've been around business and I was always very interested in corporate health. I like to see people succeed and I I like to see people enjoy what they're doing, you know, really thrive. So I did this deep dive into the healing arts uh, many years ago, and I'm an integrative hypnotherapist and you mentioned all this, NLP, et cetera. And so at the time, I was really working with people to help them with manifestation, you know, in the business world, in their entrepreneurial life. And as I was going through, we were looking at kind of the ways most people look at manifestation, but I put my gap analyst hat on it. I would say, listen, you know, we're always manifesting. You know, that is just that we're calling in whatever we're putting out there, the energy, the thoughts. But are you manifesting by design or by default? And as I looked at this, most of the people that I was working with felt like they were doing all the things. They were all the things, you know, thinking the right thoughts and saying their affirmations. And and yet they were calling in more of what they already had or the opposite of what they wanted, really manifesting haphazardly. And as I looked at imposter syndrome, I said, you know what, that's the foundation. That's where the cracks are. You know, this 
these deep-seated beliefs of not good enough, not worthy, not deserving at the conscious level, which is really only 10% of our total consciousness, we can feel like we're saying the right things and doing all the right things. But if we have an internalized feeling and and kind of hidden thoughts and self-talk that are out of alignment with that, we're just sending mixed messages. So I I looked at this, this is actually something I really talk about in the introduction of the book. And I thought, you know what, we need to fix the foundation before we can build the house. This is where attention is needed. And so I started to do a lot of market research. And in my market research, it wasn't just looking at what other people had found. I certainly did that, but I was on an audio app. I was opening up rooms. I was bringing in panels and I had people coming in and I was just listening, listening, asking a lot of questions. And that is how I came to this holistic methodology because I didn't see it out there. It seemed so obvious to me. And yet I didn't see anyone taking kind of this really holistic, comprehensive approach to get past this. And the, and I it was frustrating for me because I would hear people say, well, you know, imposter syndrome, yeah, everybody has it. And <laughs> you just have to live with it. And you should just normalize it. It's just normal. You know, you're never going to get over it. And I thought, no, 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 no. I don't believe that. You know, I'm stubborn. There has to be a way to get past this. There's no reason that we should have to live with this because it's painful. It is. And I have seen in my own experience some of the most successful people still doubting themselves. And, you know, they have everything. It's almost like they're Midas with the golden touch. And yet they still feel less than. They still feel like they're trapped within. It's quite scary when you can see that. It is. And somebody's saying, oh, but look, you're good. (laughs) You have all this. You know, it doesn't do anything because the subconscious mind, those beliefs are so, so strong and they're so deeply buried and there's so much suppressed emotion around it. And we just are unaware. So, so to really get past that. And by the way, when you say really highly accomplished people, listen, Albert Einstein, Tina Fey, Sheryl Sandberg, right? Uh, Maya Angelou, Oprah Winfrey. I mean, the list goes on and on, 85%, but these are not just beginners. These are highly accomplished people, CEOs, celebrities, thought leaders, world leaders, and you and me. So it's pervasive and it's common, but it should not be normalized because as soon as we normalize something, we create a set point. We accept it as our new normal. So I say, reject that, reject normalizing it, Um, But understand that it is common, which means you're not alone. It's not everyone. It's 85%, 15% of people then do not experience this. So let's choose to be part of the 15%. But there's a way past it. So when you do the deep dive, and again, as an integrative hypnotherapist, what I do, and I do this all over the world, you know, I do this remotely, but I help people go back and to find the root cause, and to meet that child at that age and at that stage, and allow that child to remote. We listen to, you know, your little girl, your little boy, right? We let them emote because they either were not allowed to, 
no one was listening, or they were so young, they didn't have the words, a way to express the fear, the confusion, the doubt. And then we heal that. We help them change that story. And it's not that an experience didn't happen, um, but oftentimes we've misinterpreted it because our little minds you know, saw an experience like it's dark or there are monsters in the closet. I'll give the, the example that everyone knows there's monsters in the closet. No, see, let's turn on the light. You see, there really are no monsters in the closet. So sometimes it's easy to change the story because we can show them and we can listen to them. And we can say, you see, I know you're afraid, but look, there's nothing to be afraid of. And look, we're safe. Look, look at how well we're doing. You know, other times there really was trauma. There really was drama, right? It, it was difficult. So we're not going to change the experience, but we can change the meaning that that child, not the adult, the child gave to it. We can help them rewrite the story. We can show them that they are safe, that they are safe, that that we're doing okay, and that they are loved, and that their voice matters. And then we help that child to heal, and we bring them back in as into the fully integrated adult, because that's what our inner child is. When, when it's wounded, it, it's almost like apart from us. We call it our parts, but it's almost like it feels like it's apart from us. And so we help to integrate that child. And that's a lot, not all of it. That's a lot of the, that reprogramming the subconscious mind. And then the repatterning is really important because we do have neurological pathways in our brain. And as I said, our thoughts become patterned, our beliefs become patterned, our our self-talk becomes patterned. And so we need to practice if you want to get past imposter syndrome. I try not to say we you have to do this, you have to do that. I, I don't believe in superlatives, but I invite people that really do want to get past it to understand that repatterning can take some time. We have to create new neurological pathways in the in the brain and we have to let the old ones sort of become extinct. So it's a matter of practicing catching the thoughts, changing them, catching the self-talk. You know, I actually go back and I do a whole belief reset, which is clearing old beliefs and replacing them with new ones and, and letting, letting them really root in. And it sounds woo, but it's actually quite scientific. So many people, I guess, now have an idea of imposter syndrome, what they're looking for, the patterns, the maybe the early childhood or the inner child expression of this. What are some ways forward? Once you've recognized this, you've you've mentioned a few techniques and tools here, but what are some ways forward? Like how do people work with you? How do they get past this blockage? Yeah, it's such an important question. So if you're trying to, if you choose to do this on your own, I would encourage you to take a holistic approach. I would encourage people, and sometimes that's scary because things have been buried for so long, but I do have some meditations that help people kind of go in and meet their inner child and look for those things. Um, But I would encourage to do the inside and the outside. In my book, I have 20 exercises throughout the book. So You can start by getting the book if you're interested in that, because that really does take you on a journey. It takes you from awareness to 
insight, to alignment, to integration. And people really refer to it almost like having a book and a workbook in one. They'll dog ear it, they'll highlight it. But if you do those exercises, they really do work. And it takes you into those those different stages, the awareness. If you're interested, I find it sometimes difficult to do all of this on your own because we it's hard to find. It's easy to self-sabotage, you know? And uh, so I do a couple of things. I work with people one-on-one, but because so many people like the idea of a group and having that whole support, I also created a group program. So that's another way to do it. And the group program is really nice. Um, I call it a voyage past self-sabotage. And the truth is we get you past imposter syndrome, not just self-sabotage, but it's a six-month voyage. And I call it a voyage because I don't believe that we need just another course. So often we know, we know, we know, but then we feel, you know, and it's really important to get from knowing to doing. We need to traverse that gap. We need to find a way past the knowing into the doing, the actual transformation. And so I put this group together with the learning, but the the coaching, the group coaching, and then the, the group and what has happened through that process is that we have a hundred percent success rate. People are having the major breakthroughs and their lives are changing. You know, they're stepping up, they're feeling good about taking on opportunities. They're getting excited instead of anxious about the different opportunities. They're asking for their worth. They're raising their hand. You know, they're feeling confident and, you know, where they might've equated that with arrogance. They don't see it that way anymore. They just feel quietly confident. They feel good about their accomplishments. They're connecting, they're aligned. And so that's a really nice way to do it. And then, you know, if it's not the course, if it's not one-on-one, if it's not the book, there are some really good exercises, things you can do that will help you just move forward and feel better. But to truly get past it, I think it requires doing the inside out work as well as the outside in. I think it really takes a holistic approach. Fantastic. Now, people can find you at CherylAnjanette.com. You're also Cheryl-Anjanette at LinkedIn. You're on Instagram and Clubhouse at CherylAnjanette. Now, you did mention a few little gifties there before. So where can people find these freebies? Is that on your website? Yeah, so I do have some freebies. I have a quiz. So if you want to take the imposter syndrome quiz, you'll immediately get not only your score, but some strategies in your inbox that's available on my website. I have an ebook also available on my website called Unlock the Secret Code to Your Subconscious Mind. The book itself is not free, but it's low cost. So you can go to Amazon anywhere in the world. And depending on what you get, whether it's the paperback, the hardback, uh, the Kindle version, you know, the cost is in, at least in dollars is anywhere from, I think, $12 to maybe $28, depending on which one you get. 
And then through my website, you can also inquire about working with me or anything else that I offer, certainly. Fantastic, Cheryl. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been a really great, juicy interview, so I love it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm so honored to be with you. And listeners, thank you for your time. Don't forget to leave us reviews on Spotify, Apple, wherever you're listening to us, and head on over to our Facebook page, which is at A Magical Life Podcast. And for now, go forth and create your magical life. Thanks for listening today. Please subscribe to hear future episodes, leave a review, and share this podcast. You can follow us on Facebook at A Magical Life Podcast or at Holistic Natural Health Australia. That's holistic with a W. You can find us on Instagram at Holistic Natural Health or at www.holisticnaturalhealth.com.au. That's where you'll access all sorts of articles, freebies and more.